family and friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and there tuned into the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast, ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show in five, four, three, two, one, let's go. Do you like the walk and talk like those important news broadcasters do, Jesse? I was going to say there's a different vibe when you're upstanding when the show starts. I you think so? I find, yeah. You want me to, I mean, we're not centered properly on the, I can just do this. Oh. This is Tim and Friends Seven for Friday, September 24th, 2021. I'm a fan. Like that? Yeah, I'm a fan. But it doesn't, does it seem like fake newscaster guy? No. The walk and talk? No, it seems like we were just chilling before hey, the show. Look. I'm natural and just walking while I'm talking. I think he's done that before. Final day without NHL hockey games to talk about. Well, at least till the two days and the preseason ends and then the regular season kicks off. You know what I'm talking about. All right, Zoolander. October 12th. Zoolander over here. I see you. Hansel. So hot right now. Is it? Yeah. Doesn't it seem like fake newscaster-y kind of thing? I don't think so Excuse me. Pardon me. No, completely disagree with that. Sorry. Excuse me. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Leafs and Habs tomorrow. Did you know that? Or I guess it's a semblance of the Leafs and Habs tomorrow. I feel like I should just stand the entire show now. It's revolutionary. I may have to, considering what we talked about before the show. Mm. Uh, Jays lose for the third time in four games last night. Game two of the four-game series with the Twins quickly turning into must-win-like territory for the Toronto Blue Jays, and you can see it live right here on Sportsnet. All that plus week number three in the NFL underway. Week eight in the CFL about to end tonight with a pair of games. Tim McAuliffe, Jesse Rubinoff with you for the next two hours of what we hope is edutainment. A little more entertaining than this. This is a new thing. This is a new thing. We should get, like, uh, sliders for those so it doesn't make that. You are marking the floor. I, yeah. I don't no, know. but at home, when you get a hardwood floor, you buy the, those little felt things in the bottom that you put on the bottom so yeah. that it doesn't scratch the thing in the but thing. But this is your studio. Like, have a little bit more respect for the studio. Like, you're marking up the floor by doing that. This, Excuse me. Luckily, nobody can see I probably shouldn't do that when I'm, like, anywho. <laughs> Unlike the Buffalo Sabres, uh, we'll finish what we start before we hit the reset button again. Got a good sense you understood. Justin Board stopping by Ben Nicholson-Smith as well. He'll join us from Minnie and Nate Burleson. All on the dance card today is game day. Starts right here on Tim and Friends. Have I told you Jay's twins on Sportsnet? Like it's a big game or anything? Big game. Yeah. Uh, lots bit. of questions surrounding the Jays as they get set for that game tonight. Many of those questions surround injuries and the status of those injuries. So let's jump right into this Friday edition of Tim and Friends with First Things First. First Things First. first. All right, you good? Yeah, I think so. I'm a little loopy. <laughs> I think I've been beat up. Like, let's be honest here. Friday, it's Friday. Let's I was go. in the dentist. What was that, yesterday? That was that yesterday. I the they give you some laughing gas that's, like, still just wearing nah, off. Nah, but you know when you're, like, I was there at 8.15 in the morning, so I didn't get proper sleep. I had to stay up to watch the Jays last right. night and do that thing with the thing and the stepping on the thing. And then I, you know, I'm just tired. I think that's what it is. I'm beat down, and hopefully I don't get angry. 
That's fine. That's what I'm. That's what I'm here for. I'll pick up the slack a little bit, hopefully. It's like giddy. It's my tired is either giddy tired, or angry tired. And right now, I think it's giddy tired. I would agree. Sebi, is everyone in that? Yeah, it's a little giddy. Yeah. Is that a thing for everyone? No, no, no. I, yeah, yeah. It's either yeah. I'm either cranky or giddy. I'm okay right now though. So. Okay. I'm more cranky. I'm more cranky. <laughs> You're cranky. You're cranky tired. Yeah. yeah. And I think a lot of people are. I think I'm more like I get hangry. Like I think if I'm hungry. Then I get pissed off. But as you saw before you the show, I just good. smashed something really right. quickly. Yeah, exactly. Got some uh, sugar energy in the body. Nice. Um, speaking of cranky, Blue Jays, Jays fans. fans. Yeah. yeah. Very yeah. well. Yeah. yeah. Not great last night. The Jays have lost back-to-back games for the first time this month after dropping the opener of their four-game series in Minnesota last night. The Jays are now one game back of the Yankees for the second wild card and three games back of the Red Sox. With just nine games remaining, the good news is the Yankees and Red Sox play each other in a three-game series starting yep. tonight in Boston. So what's the best-case scenario for the Jays this weekend? Okay, last night was the worst-case scenario. Yeah. Like, you're asking me best-case scenario? Last night was near worst-case scenario. Not only the loss, but also the injury to Gurriel. And if you want to throw Hatch in the mix on that, but the Gurriel injury is significant. If only it were a couple of other guys, would it be worse than it is right now? It's a loss that they can't afford, especially in the outfield, when George Springer isn't playing in the outfield. So, I mean, immediately we have to have the conversation of Gurriel's not playing with two stitches in his finger. Charlie Montoya is going to speak at 6 p.m. Eastern time or in and around that, and we're going to hear that he's not in the lineup, right? Like, two stitches to the finger, you can't play. At least one day, probably more than that, Right, I would think. So then it's Dickerson or Dyson, depending on matchups. Yeah, unless you know who goes back in the outfield. Right, right. I don't think that he's, I mean, we heard yesterday Rash Badani suggesting that it was still some pain on stopping and starting in the outfield. So there's no way Springer's going out there tonight unless there's some sort of miraculous, or he says, I'll just go stand in left field. Okay, here's the thing, though. There's but nine games left. There's nine games left in the season. This is a, a very critical Time for the Blue Jays. They have to. They have There's to start games, winning games. They're, they're one game you have there. to have your optimal lineup out there, and I understand that there may be a little bit of pain. But if it can't get worse, which is what we heard the last time he came back, it can't get worse. Which is why he's playing. If he can move, he's been doing drills in the outfield. Like he's got. He's got to get out there. You have okay, all off season to I, recover. I've heard too much of this, and I'm sorry. Maybe I'm turning into the giddy angry right now. Yeah. I'm sorry. If you run around the bases what, four times in a game? Mm -hmm. That's different than playing center field, right? Like, we all under... I've heard this way too much. Well, if he can run, why can't he play center field? Because it's center field. You're going to dive. You're going to have to stop and start. You're going to have to get good jumps. Like, it's way different than rounding the bases. So put him in right. Why can't they do that? Why can't they have Grichuk playing center, Teoscar? They can, they can. but, But right is... A little bit better than center field. That's what you do. That's what you do to the guy who can't play. Guy or girl that can't play field. Yeah. Throw him in right field. Throw him in right field. Right. So why can't you do that with George Springer? Because it's still more stops and starts than you would get DHing. Yeah. The crazy thing is, is that his bat hasn't been going. Yes. So your DH, you're using that DH spot on him, and you have to because it's George Springer, and you're not going to turn away from him when he's gutting it out. Like I've heard other people say, oh, he needs to sit down for a. Can't do that. You're not going to sit down, George. Listen, I've, I've read it. 247 is the on-base in September. Mm-hmm. It's not good. 
but it's also the guy that you paid a lot of money to, and he's gutting it out for you. You want to be the guy, and this is the other, like the Charlie Montoyo thing. You want to be the guy that walks into the clubhouse and says, George, you're sitting down today? Like, good luck. I know there's going to be a tough guy out there. Oh, it takes hard decisions to be a baseball manager. Yeah, and you lose the room when you start doing things like that, where guys are working their ass off and playing hurt for you to try and help this stretch run, which he has helped. And then you turn to him and say, well, 246 on base in September, have a seat. Like, that's when players start getting pissed off. And I haven't been there, but I've talked to enough people who have been there, and that's the one thing that the fan doesn't take into consideration near enough are those one-to-one conversations between coach and player and how you can lose a room because the players talk to each other if you take one of those relationships and you flush it. Ask Mike Babcock and Mitch Martin. Yes. We don't have a lineup right now, but as soon as it comes out, we will bring it to you. So you mentioned his struggles at the plate. Is there anything to maybe moving him out of the leadoff spot? Because he hasn't been going. And at this point, I understand the relationship aspect of it, but you, you have no choice but to put your best lineup forward. And you have to make yeah, the call. I mean, Is yeah. that with him in the I would, leadoff spot? I would have that conversation, down? and Bo Bichette could easily slide into right. that leadoff spot. Um, I would have that conversation. I just don't think you're going to sit him down in this one. As for that, have the conversation, have the back and forth, uh, see what it is. Uh, but you also want to get him on track because if you get him on track, it's George bleeping Springer, yes. right? Like that's the other part of this is if he finds it, he turns into, as we have seen this year, one of the best leadoff men in all of baseball, if not the best leadoff man in all of baseball. The other conversation that seems to be burning up the Blue Jay airwaves, whether you're listening on radio or you're watching this station, is who's going to start that Tuesday game against the New York Yankees. And you and I yesterday sat here and thought, okay, it's probably Steven Matz, right? Like we, Dan Schulman, we probably thought it was Steven Matz. Does yesterday change who you think starts that Tuesday game? I actually think it's six and one half dozen the other on this. Um, who's the half? Who's the one half dozen <laughs> the other? I really don't think it matters because you look at what Ryu did prior to those two poor starts in his two latest outings, and he shut down the New York Yankees. Right. And what he'll be doing is facing the New York Yankees. Right. Now there's a little bit of hesit- hesitancy on a Friday. What's yep. up? Um, I didn't know what you were saying. Who yeah. cares? <laughs> yeah. So there's a little bit of hesitancy when it comes to Ryu just because he's coming back from an injury and obviously he hasn't been sharp, but Matt's didn't exactly inspire much confidence last night either. Now that could be more of a one-off considering he had been one of the best pitchers in the American League for about a month and a half. So I don't really think it matters all that much. Ultimately, you make a decision. If it doesn't work out, you're going to get criticized one way or another. So I just think you have to make a call here. I think it's going to be Matt's, however... From what I'm hearing, what the Jays wanted to do with Hyunjin Ryu was not necessarily that there was a neck injury that they needed to have him sit down for, but there was some wear and tear that had beaten down Hyunjin Ryu over the year, and they wanted to give him a little bit of time off Mm -hmm. and make a subtle adjustment to his delivery and hope that that would rectify the situation for whatever kind of stretch run they're going to have here. And let's be honest. If Hyunjin Ryu finds it, he is a valuable, valuable part of whatever they're going to do. And if your goal is to win a World Series, 
you want Hyunjin Ryu to try and make that adjustment. So whether he goes against the Yankees on Tuesday, I guarantee you he's probably going to go against Baltimore if it is Mats. But herein lies um, a little bit of silver lining. Actually, I'm going to give you a lot of silver lining here, Love Jays it. fans, because it feels like there's lots of angst right now in and around Jays land. Hyunjin Ryu is probably going to pitch before the end of the year, and you're going to figure out what he is. And if you look at the way the rest of this lines up, Brios tonight, Ray tomorrow, Manoa on Sunday, if you go to Vegas, all three of those guys will be favored in their games. Then you get the day off, and you can go back to Mats and line up the rotation again for the Yankees. And that puts you in probably... A favorite's role, now you got to go out and win the games, not played on paper, as Blake Wheeler told us, but you're a favorite in five or six games. Garrett Cole's probably the only one you're not a favorite in. So, I know yesterday was worst case scenario. I think if you look ahead, I think there's a lot of angst. I think there's a lot of consternation. I get it. I feel like at the end of this weekend, Blue Jays fans are going to be in a lot better spot than they are right now. Completely agree. I mean, if there was one game this okay, that series. that scares me. Don't agree with me. Well, no. I mean, you look at the pitching matchup yesterday. That was the only one where it was even remotely comparable. The Jays have the horses going the next right. three games, right? So, I mean, you lose one game. They got to win now. Like, now you just ratcheted up the pressure for the next three games. That's right. the reality. But Barrios, Ray, Manoa? Yeah. I mean, you take it good. every time. Yes. Like, I, those are the three guys I want with the season basically on the line Speaking here. of Blue Jays fans, yeah. uh, announcement earlier today about an increased capacity at Rogers Center for the final two series of the year at 30K. home. 30K! Which just so happens to be that New York Yankees series and then the Baltimore Orioles. So 30K uh, into the building. I'm not sure where. and I know that 500s are open. That was part of the release today? Yeah, yeah. So um, 15 bucks too and... Those will go quick, I think. I mean, yeah. It, it, hopefully it's loud. I remember when Scotty Barnes was, was on here, you were interviewing him, and he's like, wow, it's crazy atmosphere down here. And, and you said to him, well, there's only 15,000 people there. Yeah. There's a capacity limit yeah. right now. Like, if there wasn't a capacity limit, it'd be 50,000 strong. Uh, and so hopefully 30,000 can get down there for those games because obviously that is a massive, massive series. We'll have to see how this series with the Twins first plays out. But... That's going to be the season. That is going to be the season against the Yankees, that one right there. Did I jump the gun on Hyun Jin Ryu? Were you going to ask me that question about Tuesday? Was that part of the... Yeah, but it's, that's, oh, I'm sorry. it's organic. It's I'm organic sorry. conversation. Yeah, we, just, we just talk here. No, yeah. Nothing is planned. 100%. No, that's totally <laughs> fine. Uh, ben Nicholson-Smith will be coming up a little bit later in the show. We'll have lots to talk to him about, obviously. And the lineup, when we get it, we will bring it to you. But for now, let's yes. shift our focus to... Timmy, the Carolina Panthers are 3-0 and yes. for the first time since 2015 back in the Luke Keekley days after a 24-9 win over the Texans on Thursday Night Football. It wasn't all good news for the Panthers, though, as they lost star running back and consensus number one overall fantasy pick, Christian McCaffrey, to a hamstring injury in the second quarter. Who do you think is losing more sleep over the McCaffrey injury as a Matt Rule or fantasy football players everywhere? <laughs> That's a wonderful question. Uh, probably both. I think it's equal. I think you could probably. The one thing I will say, it looks like Matt Rule's got something. Yeah. Like it look, I know there have been a bunch of college coaches who have made the jump in the last little while and have failed miserably. Some of the best college hosts on planet Earth have tried to make the jump and failed miserably. It looks like he has got something going here. The Sam Darnold 3-0, and we'll talk about it with Nate Burleson coming up here in a flash. But that, to me, I mean, watching what 
Darnold is doing. He's three and zero, and the Jets are the Jets, right? Like this is the draft and develop. And what what I'm seeing early on in Carolina is that they they know how to surround him. And shout out Sherwood Park, Alberta's Chuba Hubbard. Let's go. Looks like uh, he's going to get the ball here a little bit. He had 11 carries, 52 yards. He had three receptions for 27 yards. So um, Dallas, Philadelphia, Minnesota on the ledger for the Panthers. We'll see what they're about right here. And they're all kind of sort of winnable games. Yeah. Right? I, like, yeah. they're probably dogs in each one of them, but... You're going to find out. You're going to find out a lot about the Carolina Panthers right now. A little bit of adversity, obviously, with Christian McCaffrey. But Chuba's going to get a chance here. And why can't he be sort of like the Mike Davis reincarnate from last year with the Panthers, right? Mike Davis stepped up over 1,000 yards last season, 13 games without McCaffrey. So Chuba Hubbard, I mean, a lot of people, I don't know, for whatever reason, didn't like what they saw from him last night. But he's going to take the reps this week. He's going to play with the first team, and most likely he's going to be the lead back for the Panthers for the next couple weeks, so he's going to get the chance. Uh, the- I like what Cam Irvin said. We're a football team, not the Carolina Christian McCaffrey. Nice, yeah. Right? Like, I take some ownership here, and we're going to see what they're about, and Chuba Chuba, y'all, I like it. I, I want to see it. 100%. Maybe it's Mike Davis, or maybe it's just Chuba Hubbard. Yeah. I do have a theory that guys that excel as running backs, as long as they're not beat up in college, but guys that excel at running back at mid-programs like OK State, mm-hmm. Uh, will be able to translate. It's not just the offensive line clearing huge holes. It's they're a good running back. Yeah. So uh, he might go for a little bit in your pool if Chuba Hubbard. Like, I don't know. We do the free agent bidding. We do money. Yeah. Where you have to bid actual money on who you're picking up. It's going to go for a lot. I, I, I can't even imagine. And as it should, to over 2,000 yards last year with Oklahoma State and. 13 games, so the, the guy can play. Two years ago, yeah. yeah two years ago, yes. Um, the Cleveland Browns host Justin Fields. He's getting a look. And the Chicago Bears on Sunday. Now, Browns defensive end Miles Garrett spoke after practice today, and he was asked about a TV commercial for a local <laughs> car dealership starring offensive lineman Jack Conklin and Joel Batonio. Have a listen. You seen the uh, Joel and Jack commercial? Oh, Lord. We watched it today, though. <laughs> <laughs> Comments? <laughs> if, if I'm ever in something that terrible, I'm going to take me off the field. Isn't it so bad that it's good, though? Isn't it like feel like that, or is it just bad? <laughs> you need time to be like so bad that you're good. That's true. Like right now, it's just, it's just terrible. Did the whole team watch it? Oh, yeah. It was part of a team meeting. <laughs> It was right at the end of the team meeting. Coach, coach spoke it, and we had broken down what we needed to, and then uh, that was the, the cherry on top. <laughs> and boy, it's, what a cherry it was. <laughs> Am I? Are you mystified by his traps? Not like, yes. holy crap! <laughs> I'll be your trap, bazooka. So, do we have the commercial? Do we have? Look yeah. at those. It's ridiculous. <laughs> look at his neck. Yes. Traps are the muscles that go down from your neck. Like, they go all the way to his AC joint. Like, it's ridiculous. Look at that. It's like a coat hang. Anyways. You didn't look like that in your football prime? I, that was like my, you know, like everyone has their strengths. Like, my neck was among, there was nothing close to that. Like, I had. I, had I decent, thought you were going to say it was I close. had decent traps. Yeah. And nowhere close to that. Like, that was my strength. And it was nowhere close. I don't think there are many people on earth that have traps like that, if we're being oh. honest. Uh, but we do have the ad, so do why we? don't we have a listen? Because oh, it's, it's, it's good, yeah. We 
are the Spitzer Offensive Line. With the Spitzer Shield, you get peace of mind. Get the benefits that prevent any struggle. Let's all do the Spitzer Shield Shuffle. My name is Jack, and I protect your city's favorite quarterback. My name is Joel, and I guard the city of rock and roll. And it's all backed by our Spitzer Shield, featuring a lifetime powertrain warranty. Unlimited time, unlimited miles. Online at Spitzer.com. Okay. My question is, who thought it was a good idea to rhyme guard and rock and roll? <laughs> That's a great what point. am I missing here? You know, the whole thing is jaw droppingly bad. And I, I disagree with Miles Garrett. It is good. Yeah. Like I am a huge fan of it's so bad, it's good. That was good. That was yes. so bad, it was good. But it goes in a long line of terrible, terrible athlete commercials. <laughs> and that kind of sort of gets me excited because I know for a fact that you and the producers. We're talking about other terrible athlete commercials. Why don't we start with uh, one of my personal favorites, and I know favorites of, of a lot of people out there, one of the Raptors player commercials of all time, Andrea Bargnani, take it away. Oh, primo. Before Andrea hits the court, he must be ready for anything. Exercise and drills help Andrea stay game ready, but to be fully prepared, Andrea needs to eat right. With Primo Pasta and Sauce as part of a balanced diet and healthy lifestyle, Andrea can compete game in, game out. Primo Pasta and Sauce. Quick and nutritious, simply delicious. Everyone knows it's Primo. The best part of that commercial is they knew they couldn't get him to say anything else but Primo Pasta and Sauce. So they got someone else to narrate the rest of it. I know, but I, I, like that's if I ever say Primo, it's always primo pasta and sauce. Like you say it like Andrea Bernani, so they, they did a good oh, job. Like awesome. when else would I be talking about prima pasta, primo pasta and sauce? Okay, uh, another one. Colby Armstrong, our boy. What? Uh, known for great analysis, great hockey career, terrible acting career. Take it away, Colby. Oh, this is a Max Talbot one. Here are your keys, Mr. Armstrong. Right on, Colby. What are you doing here? I'm here to pick up my new BMW. <laughs> and really took good care of me because of, you know, who I am. You? Who are you? I thought they only took care of superstars like me. Hey, guys, they treat everybody like a superstar. That's why I have one of each. Gina, take a jack. A&L Motor Sales, serving Pittsburgh for 60 years. So good. <laughs> Gino's not allowed to say anything. He just looks down, and at the end, you can see him actually laughing at the commercial that he's in. We need more like this because oh. they're, they're what's memorable. What's Colby wearing? Like, what's the difference between that commercial and quality and send, like the 1984 Apple ad? Like, please, there's nothing. They're, send they're them perfect. in. If you remember one, send them in at Tim and Friends. I think this is a running theme. Do you, you want to do one more? more? Yeah, let's do one more. Uh, car dealerships tend to, to give it to us pretty pretty good. Please tell me it's Eastern Motors. It's Ovi. Oh, Alexander Ovechkin, so hit it. Edison Motors, your job, your credit. Edison Motors, your job, your credit. Ford Hondas, Timmy and Beavers. Over 600 cars, trucks, subs. Are you listening, man? Uh, can you give me some shots, vodka, please? <laughs> 
Edison Motors, your job, your credit. Edison Motors, your job, your credit. They had ESO. I, this is. The, I know this for a fact because I used, this is when I was in the wheel at the score and I was watching games for a living. So Eastern Motors is. Eastern Motors is a company in the Washington area, and they had this song stolen from. I forget who it, who the the hip hop song was. Hey, sexy lady, you like it slow. Your body's burning. I'm not Shazam. I can't, I can't get it. <laughs> on. Anyways, they stole it, and it's at Eastern Motors. Your job. So they got every local athlete to do one, and that was Ovechkin's. But all of them, like Wizards, um, Washingtonian football team people, would also do it. There's like a ton of people who did it, and Ovi's was like the cherry on top. But everyone already knew the Eastern Motors song. I'm disappointed in you, I have to say, because you brought him up yesterday in the show, that song. Is it Shaggy? Shaggy. Shaggy! Yeah. So that's two Shaggy references in 48 hours. Or 24 hours, Well, it I wasn't, guess. I mean, listen, uh, Shaggy's career, I mean, was defined by it wasn't me. Right. Uh, let's be honest here. That was the cherry on top of the Sunday that was Shaggy, dance hall, reggae artist. There's no question Extraordinaire. about Extraordinaire. Yeah. Time for a break. Still to come. <laughs> They're whispering in my ear. Get the break. Get the break. Nate Burleson, week three. Ben Nicholson-Smith from Minnesota. The Jays try and bounce back against wins. Up next, Justin Bourne drops by and we'll discuss the latest RFAs who are unsigned. Jack Eichel, the dumpster fire that is Buffalo. It's Friday on Tim and Friends. Can't you tell? <laughs> Goal from Greenwood. It's coming backwards. Oh, Careful. Watch out. We might lose him. Oh, oh, Holy smokes. Can you believe that? <laughs> he nearly fell in late Michigan. Brady going end zone. Me. Should we go for it? I said, hell yeah. And Jackson will get the first down and in effect end the game. Rookie the Bat Dog here at Salem Field tonight. A little over anxious. You wanted the baseball. Easy there, rookie. Easy. Keep sending in your terrible athlete commercials at Tim and Friends on Twitter. We may get to a bunch of them a little later on. But, hey, hockey happens. And it won't be just, like, bag skates and how far back Oliver Ekman Larson is. It'll be actual games with some semblance of NHL players on the ice starting tomorrow. Leafs and Habs kick it all off. So here to help us break through. All of the nonsense that's fluttering about is Justin Bourne, who is the co-host of Hockey Central on Sportsnet 590 The Fan in Toronto and writer of words on Sportsnet.ca. Thanks for joining us, Justin. How are you, man? No problem. That's my official title, word writer at Sportsnet. <laughs> writer, writer of words at Sportsnet? Awesome. Uh, so what, like, when you look at the landscape as the season starts here, like, what jumps out at you the most? Is it Eichel? Is it the RFAs? Like, what are you kind of drilling down on as we as we wade kind of into the the shallow end of the NHL season? I think I'm just so excited about it being an actual hockey season that's 82 games long with fans in the building that I'm a little focused on 
you know, the odd player who may or may not be getting vaccinated with arena capacities, with, you know, all of these things that we just haven't had that feel, you know, I feel like we could get to normal if everyone falls in line. And so keeping close tabs on all that stuff, you know, here in Toronto, keeping an eye on the 78 forwards they have in training camp and <laughs> trying to make sense of that. And then, yeah, like the, the, the remaining four RFAs uh, still hanging out there. Those are big stories. Okay. So here's, here's the thing. And, and this is just pulling back the curtain. Like I told my team, like, listen, there's less than 1% of the league that's not vaccinated. Why are they getting so much oxygen? And right. I have no problem having the conversation. Is, is there a reason why it intrigues you to have that vaccination conversation? Because for me, it's like, don't give it oxygen. Like, there's, yeah. it's the overwhelming majority of North Americans are in favor of vaccination. And yet, here we are all the time having conversations about those who aren't vaccinated. Like... Stop giving it oxygen. But if you think it's a story, like, I'm willing to listen. Why? Yeah, it's, you know, what's interesting is I feel like there's few things that we can, like, openly make someone, um, not the bad guy, but, like, there is a pretty clear social cause right now. As a society, we're trying to do a thing. (laughs) And so I think it's almost like the Internet pile-on machine. It's really easy to pile on people who aren't taking part, which... They should be. You know, I've, I've been very clear in my stance on that. But I think it's part of it's like we're all in agreement here. We can pile on this. This is good. It's uh, I don't know what it is exactly that makes people drawn towards that pile on. But it is a very real thing. And so it's a very real story. And it's in my timeline, too. But I like your point of just saying maybe just let those people disappear and the rest of us go on with the hockey season. Yeah. Like, let's just take care of our business. If we've entered into this social contract and we've done it of our own free will and you don't want to be a part of this, then. Hey, if you want to give up your $400,000 because you don't want to cross the Canadian border, go ahead. Like, that's I'm, that's kind of where I'm at on all this. And it's the healthier viewpoint, right? Like, if all of us could just let everyone we disagreed with just go be what we think is wrong somewhere else, it'd be a lot easier. But a lot of us need to stress about what everyone else is doing, watching <laughs> each other's bobbers no, over here, Tim. So it does, we all no, wish for your serenity. No, but it does affect <laughs> us, so I understand why people are upset. Because if we got to higher levels, maybe you could get your freedoms back. But I'm not walking that road because it'll get tired very quickly. All right. So let's let's move on to speaking of tired very quickly. Jack Eichel, like the dumpster fire that is the Buffalo Sabres. I guess Kiprio says that uh, Nick Kiprios tweeted earlier today that Jack Eichel would accept a trade. I think we kind of sort of knew that that was the case. But where does that put this? Because... Man, this feels like a really bad situation. Well, I think what happened was the Buffalo Sabres thought they could trade a healthy Jack Eichel who is not healthy. And so they went to everyone and said, (laughs) you know, would you like Jack Eichel? And they all said, sure. And uh, we want a discount because he's not healthy. Buffalo was like, what? You know, like there's this weird thing where they're (laughs) pretending he doesn't need very serious surgery. And, you know, in that Kiprios tweet, I think he mentioned that some teams are trying to build a clause in where you say, Yes, we'll make you this trade, but if you can't play this many games or if his performance is this after we get them, you know, it's going to be conditional changes to the trade. Obviously, Buffalo doesn't want to do that. And it's just a shame that we're here in the first place. You know, you let the guy get the surgery he wants and trade him as a healthy player. Everyone could have been happy. It's too late for that now. No one's happy. Uh, The Sabres are really trying to dig in on this. And honestly, it's just one of many places where they're not going to come out looking good. No, they're not going to come out looking good. Neither 
team nor player is served by any of this. Like, that's the part of no. the – like, I know there are people on the Sabres side of things, but Eichel's to blame here, too. He's going to end up missing – like, I mean, how can you not try to rectify this as best as you can on both sides because you're both going to be hurt by it? And here we are where both are going to be hurt by this. Like, Eichel will still get paid, but he's probably not going to the Olympics if he wanted to go there. Right. And he's right. I, I just don't, but Tim, like, what's he supposed to do? Like, he doesn't want his neck done that way, you know? Like, I know, but you can know, you not, like, somehow, like, call in the NHL, get an arbitrator? Like, that's what I think the answer is going to be, is that the yeah. NHL will have to step in and an independent arbitrator will deal on some, or will have to make a decision on this because having this standoff helps nobody. No, and, and you're right. And, you know, I saw some people commenting on the language in the CBA that creates this, yes. where the team kind of has the final say. And I believe the intention for most of it was like on an ankle sprain or a torn MCL <laughs> right. or something, like varying opinions on what to do with your spine. You know, we might want to revert, you know, defer to the person whose spine it is in that case. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know what sort of third party you have to get involved yeah. to make that happen. But I don't see any scenario here where Eichel doesn't get his spine done the way he wants it. Because if I can't, I need to drive that word home. Spine. spine yeah. I, I think he's got a lot of say in what they do with that. <laughs> yeah, no. And, I, and you know what? Like, as I was, as you were saying, I'm like, yeah, it's probably a fair point. I think, I think the spine <laughs> is probably where you draw the line. All right. Uh. Who's your guess on the dude that wins the lottery to play beside Marner and Matthews? Yeah, you know what happens in situations like this is the team puts who they want to win the lottery there, and during the course of a season, nothing goes perfectly, and eventually it doesn't work out and someone else gets a chance. And so they're going to start with Nick Ritchie, right? They're like, oh, he's big. He'll be kind of like Hyman. He'll be at the net. And then things are going to go south for him at some point. It's probably a guy who's internal, like Alex Kerfoot, who had a wonderful playoff run and really, to me, looked like he was ready to take a step in the league. It could be a guy like Ilya Mikheyev, who made noise about getting traded if he doesn't get an opportunity. I know they're going to give the opportunity first to Nick Ritchie or Bunting, but like, I don't, it's really hard to stick in a place on a line for the entire season. I can see them starting with those guys. And then going, hey, remember when Joe Thornton started the, the year there? Yeah, that didn't work out all the way through. Someone else, else will end up there by the time playoffs come. Let me throw a caveat into this before I start down the road. I understand the training camp is tough for all those covering it. It can be um, monotonous. You have to look and find stories that are there. The Josh Hosang saying all the right things in Toronto. Is that something that could actually happen or is that one of those things where we're peeling back the layers of the onion and go, hey, Josh Hosang, very talented, talented team. Could this work? And it's really nothing there. Yeah, first off, standing O to Josh Hosang, it's exactly what you're supposed to do in this situation. It didn't Correct. work out somewhere else. You come here, you say, I mean, all the right things. I'll sharpen skates. What do you want me to do? And the team, you know, you're immediately in everyone's good graces, so very yeah. smart. Um, you know, the team likes his talent level. And I think there's a real opportunity for him to probably start in the American League and put up some numbers. And if there's an injury or opportunity, he's kind of one of the first guys to be there. I don't see any way camp breaks and they're like, all right, Hosang's in our top six and off we go, or even on the team. I just, it doesn't make sense in my head. And I think other teams had the opportunity to have Hosang in previous years through waivers and didn't want him. So I think he can get through waivers. So 
Yeah, Hosang could be a thing. I don't think he's a guy who starts with the team, but uh, again, he's starting on the right foot, saying the right thing, so credit where credit's due. He came in the studio, and he did the exact same thing, and I thought, well, this kid, like, if someone gives him a shot, and he just, every time there seems to be an opportunity, there's just something that stands in the way. Uh, All right, how much trouble is our friend Brian Burke and the Pens in with Malkin and Crosby? Big trouble. I mean, let's be real. It's That's significant for this team. I mean, that's obvious. But the Pittsburgh Penguins are a good team in a division where I think every team could make the playoffs this year. Like, there's just no easy nights in that division. And, you know, the type of thing that usually puts you over the top is when you have elite guys like Malkin, even when the team's not perfect, he gets one or two random ones, makes a play, and you get a win or two you don't deserve. They're not going to get those free wins without Malkin. They're going to be mired in the muck, you know, right in the midst of that Metro division. So they are a team who I think is scrapping for a wild card spot more than potentially one of the teams who could have home ice just based on the start with Malkin. Mr. Bourne, it feels like hockey season all over again. Not only is there a game tomorrow, but I'm talking to Justin Bourne. Thank you, sir. (laughs) It feels like home. (laughs) Anytime, buddy. Thanks for having me. All right. Be well. There is Justin Bourne joining us. Uh, Meanwhile, one, I got a text saying uh, it wasn't me, had nothing on Mr. Boombastic when it comes to Shaggy's career. And it's true. Mr. Boombastic, call me fantastic. No, Uh, lost me. You have... You don't know Mr. Boombastic? Well, maybe if I, what is it? Mr. Boombastic, call me fantastic, touching on my... That's a good, that's a good, that's a good shaggy, that's a good shaggy voice. No? Not really, no. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) You're not that young. Maybe. You act like you're the young guy here. You got all that hair, but you're not that young. I'll have to listen to it during a break, okay? I can't, I mean, I like, I'm not, not, I, Listen, I might not have been doing it justice. That's fair. I think you, I, I think you were. Right. I just need so a second to marinate. I had, okay? I had Mr. Boombastic over here. Okay. And I also hear that there is breaking sort of Toronto Blue Jays that roster moves. Yeah, it is, it is breaking news. Okay. First, we're going to get to the roster moves. Okay. And then I promised that we'd get to the lineup when it came out. And do we ever have the lineup? So, roster moves first. Uh, Soria, back from the family medical emergency list. Espinal, reinstated from the 10-day IL. Thomas Hatch, placed on 10-day IL. Kevin Smith, optioned to AAA. So you see Espinal. Espinal mm-hmm. will be in the lineup. Oh, Espinal, third base third already. Base. But, 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 look uh-huh. at the top, Timmy. Look at the top. That would be George Springer playing center. in center field. Wow. <laughs> First time since, first defensive appearance since August 14th. He DH'd for 20 games. So uh, we get our wish there. George Springer will be in center field tonight when Jose Barrios is on the mound and the Blue Jays take on the Twins. Your thoughts on Springer being back in center field? I guess he's healthy. I guess he's healthy. Or, again, he is trying to get it out for this team and he is willing to do whatever it takes. But I hope that whatever it is, it's not because they absolutely positively need him, even though they probably absolutely positively need him. And we've been assured in the past, so I'll pass this on, that he can't do any more damage to the knee. So I hope that's the case as we move forward here, and that's why they made this decision. But Springer has to say that he's good to go. Yeah, I mean... Has to. It seems like he's been battling through something already, so he's not sitting out. He's clearly... Not 100%, but yeah, no, he's, he's ready to go now. Well, we'll hear from uh, Charlie Montoyo, who's uh, slated to speak in about 15 minutes' time. We will get you that, as we always do. Game day starts right here 
on Tim and Friends. Time for break. We'll keep those Friday feelings going with the best of the week next as Tim and Friends continues on Sportsnet and Sportsnet 360. Back here, hour number two in Sportsnet, Sportsnet 360, Nate Burleson, Ben Nicholson-Smith. On the way, by the way, uh, thank you to Ariana Starr, who wrote into the show immediately and gave me proof, Jesse, that Conor McGregor was not faking the first pitch. Here is Conor McGregor throwing a football to prove that he simply can't throw. One, the grip. Two, the <laughs> delivery. Three, the result. I'm not surprised. I, I don't think he follows the NFL. He, he's from Ireland. I'm not sure if he's a football fan. So I can understand that. But you sat here last week and said that basically nobody does more for attention than Conor McGregor. So I'm leaning towards nope. this being fake I got you. and the baseball being fake. I got you. And I think that his caption on Instagram was him taking an opportunity and turning it into promo for himself. Right. However, I believe that the throw is just that bad. Thank you, Ariana. Right. So, yeah, I mean, that's 2021 in a nutshell. You can do literally anything and try and change the narrative <laughs> right. and just turn it into a positive. Right. So, yeah, maybe he just can't throw and he just turned it into a positive somehow. Right. It was his freedom of choice to Ex- throw it to exactly, the Exactly, yeah. Full hour everywhere. Blue Jays Central, 730 Eastern, followed by the Jays and Twins, 8 Eastern, right here. On Sportsnet, good news for the Jays and their fans. Ontario government has announced increased capacity for venues, meaning that the Jays can up, have up to 30,000 fans in the stands starting with next week's critical season-ending homestand. They've opened up more seats, including some in the 500 level for as low as $15. So again, I guess I'm doing the commercial here. Check out BlueJays.com for more information so that you can go to a game, make it loud, and make it tough to play in for the New York Yankees and the Baltimore Orioles. I guess that's what we're doing here. The Jays enter the night, game back of the Yankees, three games back of Boston, one up on Seattle. Got it good and since you understood, nine games left for all of them. They match up the rest of the season. As mentioned, Blue Jays Central, 7.30 p.m. Eastern, 4.30 Pacific. Jose Barrio starts for the Jays tonight against his former team. First start back in Minnesota. Barrios got the win on Sunday against the Twins, but pitches as an opponent for the first time at Target Field. Does that make a difference? We're going to find out. Bailey Ober gave up four runs in four innings to the Jays in his start against them on Saturday. Here's the lineup to face over. As mentioned earlier, George Springer back in center field. His first action in the field since getting hurt in Seattle in mid-August. So he returns to the outfield as Lourdes Gurriel is out of the lineup after being hurt last night by the cleat of Randall Gritchick. Alejandro Kirk is into the DH spot while Santiago Espinal is back and starts at third base tonight. Charlie Montoya currently talking to the media. We'll let you know any important info as soon as it becomes available to us. Elsewhere in the AL wildcard chase, Yankees and Red Sox starting their huge three-game series 
Tonight at Fenway, Garrett Cole, Nathan Eovaldi in the opener. Mariners just two back of the Yankees, one back of the Jays. Started a series against the Angels. Logan Gilbert on the hill for the Mariners. The A's now four back, probably have to win out for any shot. They have a tough series against the Astros. It starts with Zach Grinke on the bump. All right, let's get you caught up to date on the National League. Cardinals playing some real good baseball. They are taking on the Cubs. Jam-packed Wrigley called Paul Goldschmidt. Gives the Cards a 2-0 lead, top of the fifth. Wind's blowing out. And watch what Tyler O'Neill does. Yes, born in Burnaby and raised in Maple Ridge, I believe. I know it's the Maple Ridge part. But check where this goes. Gone. Wavelength at a deep part. Yeah, you can wave by. Without a doubt, you can wave by. 13th straight for the cards. It's even blowing beards out there. 8-5 is the final in favor of St. Louis. All right, time now to zero in on what the Jays are about to do in Minnesota by going to Target Field, or as it's known around these parts, Target Field. Ben Nicholson-Smith joins us from the aforementioned Target Field. What's going on, Benny? How are you? Tim, it's going great. I can't see you, but I can hear you, and it's uh, it's pretty interesting times here for the Jays, as per usual, in the last little while. I, I know the grip looks like he's going to tape your mouth closed, but I hope that doesn't happen, because he's got some tape behind you. <laughs> it looks a little bit scary, but uh, good. Tape's gone away. You're good to go. All right, let's get to... So, first off, let me just thank you. I know that Charlie Montoyo is speaking right now, and you're missing that. So, I apologize that you're missing Charlie Montoyo's scrum. But we do appreciate that you're joining us here. George Springer goes out to center field for the first time since his injury. Does that mean that he's playing hurt or that he's 100%? Well, I think it's pretty clear he's not 100%. But at the same time, he was really progressing well. And this is even before the Lourdes Gurriel Jr. injury that we saw last night when he had his hand stepped on by Randall Gritchuk. But, you know, Springer was out here yesterday afternoon taking some balls in center field and he seemed pretty comfortable so at this point clearly not a hundred percent but good enough certainly to be in there and this is a great thing for the Blue Jays at a time that Gurriel Jr. is not in the lineup to get him in the outfield I mean that's a much needed bat and glove at this point for the Jays. So that's not the only change to the lineup today Santiago Espinal and obviously because um, Springer goes to center field that opens up a DH spot and gets Alejandro Kirk's bat in the lineup. Exactly, and I think we're going to see more of this. I mean, to see Espinal in there, he's a guy who could play probably two out of every three, probably not every day right off the bat for the Jays, but he'll be in there regularly. And, you know, to have Springer in the outfield obviously means someone else can DH. So that's a good thing for this team. They are obviously an incredible offensive group, but if you have the DH spot that's free and open, more time for Dickerson, for Kirk in there, and that can only help. Uh, any update or did you hear anything from the clubhouse on Lourdes Gurriel's finger outside x-rays negative? Yeah, I mean, just a couple minutes ago, we were asking Charlie Montoyo about that. And the sense is that he's okay. Gurriel Jr. is okay. Uh, you know, certainly a worse injury uh, averted, um, but not great and not to the point that he's able to play. So at this point, it seems like he's more likely to be able to come back first as a hitter and then eventually in the outfield. But I think we could see him DHing for this team before he's in left field again. So again, that all goes back to Springer and how much his return actually helps this team. 
So let's talk about the outfield. Is it clear what we're going to do here with Lourdes Gurriel Jr. out? And uh, where does Randall Grichuk fit into this equation? Well, Grichuk's definitely a part of it. I, you know, I think that Springer, on the days that he's able to play center field, we probably see Springer, Teoscar, and Dickerson. Um, on the days that Springer's not in there, Grichuk would probably play center field, Teoscar probably plays right field, and Dickerson in left at that point. But, you know, this is the point in the season where the Blue Jays players, the Blue Jays coaches, personnel, they've got to be geared up for winning those games. Like, everything changes this time of year. It really is fun in a lot of ways. I mean, I'm sure for the players there's a lot of pressure involved. But, you know, you have to push guys a little bit more. And so that connects to Springer, it connects to Guriel Jr. eventually, connects to Ryu, who's probably coming back for that Yankee series at some point, and even the way they manage the bullpen. I mean, this is this is the point in the year you have to start pushing really hard because they're not in the playoff position and they need to be in one within 10 days' time. All right, you mentioned Hyunjin Ryu and you mentioned that Yankee series. All the talk in you know Blue Jays' blogosphere right now is about who starts that Tuesday game. Are you getting the feeling that it'll be Hyunjin Ryu who is the opener in that series against the Yankees? He's got a shot to pitch in that game. That'll be the first day that he's eligible. So makes sense to have him on the radar for that series. I think one way or another, whether it's Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday, he's going to be pitching. From what I understand, talking to people here in Minneapolis, he's coming back at some point in that series. Now, you know, what's interesting is he wasn't very good for an extended stretch before he hit the injured list. So to me, you have to bring him back, but you have to do it with a very short leash. You don't want to run a bullpen game. We saw how that went. But at the same time, you don't want to go out there and hand him a six-inning blank slate. You need to be ready to go to the bullpen early. Is it, um, I, I know it was insinuated by some, but did, did it feel like this was wear and tear to Ryu or a specific neck injury? Or do you have any information on that? I, I don't right. know. I haven't seen the MRIs. I haven't looked at the, the granular, granular detail of it. But my sense is that, you know, you look at his career, he is not a pitcher who hauls 200 innings. So, you know, it wouldn't be a surprise if you just got to give him some rest. And in his career, historically, he's someone who responds well to rest and has pitched very well when he gets more than four days. So to, for, for all those reasons, it makes sense to me to give him a little breather right now. Bless you, Sebastian, who tried to hold in his sneeze and it didn't work in studio. Uh, we appreciate the attempt because it was made. Um, all right, let's move on. Speaking of pitching, uh, Merriweather and Pearson are two interesting pieces to the puzzle for the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, I was cautioning fans about expecting too much. Like, where do you see this fitting in? Because I know a lot of people were just hoping they would revert back to the players that they were. We haven't seen that yet. Yeah, it's true. And I mean, Julian Merriweather, in the course of his first few appearances of the year, I mean, he set the expectations so high. He basically looked like Justin Verlander in relief. And I know it was only four innings, but he honestly looked incredible. And for him to come back and not quite reach that level, I mean, actually not even come close to reaching that level, it can't be a surprise, but the Jays have to adapt. That's what they have to do this time of year. So what it means is you were hoping he was going to be great. He's just not. So you don't use him in as high leverage situations. Instead, you go to Jordan Romano, you go to Tim Meza, you go to Simber and Richards, who have been really good the entire time they've been here. And, you know, for Pearson and Merriweather, I, I think we're talking about two separate levels here. Pearson has shown more to me in the last 
couple of weeks, and I think he is, has earned the chance to be in higher leverage moments. But even with him, he's probably fifth on the Jays' depth chart right now. All right, I don't want to make it all doom and gloom here. Um, and I said this to Jesse earlier. There is some urgency, without a doubt, but Barrios, Ray, and Manoa to close out this series, I mean, the Jays should be favored in all three of those games, no? Yeah, 100%. They're way better than the Twins. Like, it's not even close. They, the Twins have, like, three good hitters and no pitching staff. The Blue Jays have three elite pitchers going in the rest of this series and an elite offense. They are way better. They're in a great position here. They still have a ton of work to do. And last night was an awful game for the Blue Jays on virtually every level imaginable. But they're still in a good spot. And like you said, there is a lot of urgency here. And I'm interested to see how that plays out in the next little while because they have to play with urgency. The players, of course, the decision makers, there is no time to waste at this point in the season for the Blue Jays because they, again, they're not in the playoff spot and they need to be in one in 10 days' time. Benny, always great catching up with you. Thanks for doing this, as always, and uh, we appreciate you putting up with the shenanigans. Anytime, Tim. Happy to join. There is uh, Ben Nicholson-Smith at the Letters Podcast. So here's the deal. Uh, as I pull back the curtain, um, Ben can't see us when we're talking to him on remote. That's at, at a ballpark or somewhere else besides uh, things that we can control. They don't have a monitor there mm. to see back. So as he was talking, I was, I was noticing that one of the grips, one of the workers uh, on the broadcast was behind him and was pulling out tape, and it just looked very awkward. It looks as though I was wrong on the loop. It was not, in fact, tape but it was uh, an IFB pack mm. that he was placing on his. But he was just looming there. It felt weird. He's got all the Bally stuff on, so that means he's a part of the Minnesota broadcast. So I was a little nervous you there You thought he was just going to – he was playing games. He was going to tape Ben's mouth shut or something. Uh, no, he was just creeping on him, no? Yeah, yeah. yeah a little was awkward. L- lurking. Yeah, definitely. There was a little lurking going on, and I was a little nervous for our friend Ben Nicholson-Smith. So that was – that was just half the equation. The second half of the equation was in the middle of that interview, uh, Sebastian Moran just happened to sneeze. Now, listen, Seb, this is perfectly natural. Uh, it happens, okay? People sneeze. The problem is, is that being the professional that Sebastian is, he tried to hold in the sneeze. And the sound that came out, I was worried that people thought that I farted on national TV, so I had to reference. That's the only reason why I'm referencing it, Sebi. So can we play back the tape, and does it sound like I farted on national TV? So to, for, for all those reasons, it makes sense to me to give him a little breather right now. Bless you, Sebastian. We tried to hold in his sneeze, and it didn't work in the studio. <laughs> that that is why I had to reference it because it did sound like maybe one of me and or Ben, and I didn't want to leave Ben on because he can't see any of this. Can we play it one more time? Because it oh my so, goodness! To, for for all those reasons, it makes sense to me to give him a little breather right now. Bless you, Sebastian, who tried to hold in his sneeze and didn't work breathe. in the studio. I can't breathe. I'm crying. Oh, that's so good. Reasons make sense. 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 Someone, someone just whispered in my ear. We're going to great lengths to cover up your fart. <laughs> I can, I can confirm. 
That's what happened. <laughs> but I'm, not, I'm in no shape. Yeah, that You're was crying. Under, that is too good. So all of us <laughs> that work in TV are worried at one time or another that we will get caught, um, as my mother would say, uh, with some flatulence. And uh, I figured right. when we heard that, I just had to, I had to tell it like it was. Uh, otherwise, I would have been blamed it on, I guess. I was going to say Deadspin, but is that... Is, <laughs> now that would have gone that's barstool. pretty viral pretty that's, quickly. Yeah. Like, awful announcing, probably. Like awful some, announcing, yeah. Something like that, yeah. yeah. And, and once again, proof, whoever smelt it did not dealt it because, <laughs> in fact, it came out of his nose. Time for a break. When we come back, the Ryder Cup is underway. Day one included a shot for the ages. We'll get you the highlights and see if Jesse can contain his excitement about the Ryder oh, Cup. No, that's too and good. Sebastian sneezing in the studio. Live TV, everybody. Make sense reasons. 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 Listen, listen, listen. I just want to give credit where credit's due. Sebi tried to fight back a sneeze for our benefit. Yeah, now he battled. And, oh, it was a supreme, it was a valiant effort in order to try and choke back what is a natural bodily function that we all should do. It's healthy, very healthy for the human body, and we're all so embarrassed of it now because of this COVID thing. Sneezing and coughing, very good for you. Uh, Sebi tried his best, tried his best. I just wanted to make sure that people didn't think that it was me. No, it was a very valiant effort, and it just so <laughs> happened that the, there was B-roll going on at the time, so then it's just open to the viewer's imagination as to what actually happened, and we had to pull the curtain back. Can you explain B-roll to the uh, layperson? Sorry, Visu visuals. Well, we're gonna show it. Send oh, yeah. reasons. That's B-roll. Make sense reasons. And make sense reasons. And make sense reasons. And make sense reasons. That was highlights over voices or interviews or whatever. Again, um, that was Sebi trying to choke back a sneeze yeah. and it just forcing its way out. Uh, okay, Janice says, thanks, Tim and friends, for the laugh. Exactly what I needed to hear at the end of this week. Good thing that you verified. I thought what you thought. Right. Which is, yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, William says, no one light a match over there. <laughs> ben says, Jesse needs to pull this together. Um, and I got one more. That was so funny from Robert. There I got go. one. Duncan yeah. writes in and says, this is what I'm most proud of, honestly. The only show on TV that would stop the show to address a potential fart. Hashtag fart Make sense reasons. Make sense reasons. Make sense reasons. Do you, make okay, sense so reasons. do people believe us? That, uh, that brings up a question. Should we put out a poll? Yeah. Yes, we're going to put out a poll. Uh, Bort, was that a fart or a sneeze? That's a good idea. Bort yeah. says, when Tim first said it was a sneeze, I believed it, no questions asked. But the more I hear it, the more I'm convinced that he did, in fact, dealt it. <laughs> he just couldn't leave well enough alone. <laughs> One more time reasons. for Bort. It makes sense reasons. It makes sense reasons. This is, it we're, makes doing reasons. It makes we're doing sense a poll. Reasons. It makes sense reasons. Uh, Producer sure Thomas Dobby says he thought it was your chair because you started the show yeah, by moving the chair around. And I said the same similar. thing, right? Very like I similar. said the same thing, I shouldn't be standing. Very similar. I can confirm it wasn't the chair. Reasons. All you have to do reasons. is go back. All we have to do is go back to the tape and look at Sebastian's face because he is like All right, we have that overhead. Calgary now. Flames right. red when it immediately happened because <laughs> he was so embarrassed as to what transpired in studio. So put out the poll. I don't care if you believe me or not. Yeah, Thomas, we'll do, do we poll. have time for a poll and the highlights from the Ryder Cup? What do we got here? 
All right, so we'll put up the poll. Do you believe McAuliffe that, or how about this? What do you think it was? Option one, sneeze. Option two, okay? But how do you, but how do you? Just spell it fart. You can spell it fart. F-A-R-T, that's how you spell it. All right, Uh, Ryder Cup, day number one. Of course, from the fart to Ryder Cup. Day number one from guess where? (laughs) Whistling Straits. And where's Whistling Straits? In Kohler, Wisconsin, where they make poopers. Huge crowds in attendance, not many European fans because of the travel ban. So it is a heavily influenced, as it always is, uh, John Rahm, world number one, playing with Sergio Garcia, taking on Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth. This is the par 4 fourth. Match all square, 58-foot birdie attempt from just off the front edge. Rahm, Rahm's at home. He and Garcia one up. Par 4, 15th, Europe up 2-0, nah, add to it, Europe up 3. As Sergio blows a kiss to the booing USA fans, par 3, 17th, USA needing to win the hole. Thomas sends his tee shot out to the right, it rolls over the green and then gross lie. Thick stuff for Spieth, what a ridiculous second shot it was. Watch out. We might lose him. Oh, what a shot. Holy smokes. Can you believe that? (laughs) He he nearly fell in Lake Michigan. (laughs) That's what you call a (laughs) follow-through. He did well to stay on his feet. I love the tracer on this one. Have a look. How high he plays it. Inside six feet. So Thomas, you gotta make that putt. What an amazing shot by Speed. Thomas, you put him in. Oh my God, he missed no. the putt. Speed's ball went further into space than Bezos. Three and one. Europe wins it, but that was about it. By the way, uh, Ian Poulter loves his entrances. He did push it real good, to be honest with you. His entrance and his exit were almost as quick. Uh, <laughs> can't lay tee shot 191 yards out to within eight feet. We sped it up for you because it would have taken too long. Par four, fifth. USA already up four. Shoffley from 36. USA goes on to win three of four matches in the morning session. And as I said, Poulter's exit a lot quieter than his rehearsed entrance as the United States dominating early going in the Ryder Cup. Uh, Speaking of dominating, what is dominating the poll right now, Jesse? Uh, We had a little incident in studio. Um, We were trying to explain it off as Sebastian Morin trying to hold back a sneeze and making a weird noise that a lot of people have thought maybe it was something else. So we just posted this okay. a minute ago, a minute or two ago. Uh, 96 votes as of right now. 77.1% say fart. <laughs> so. All right, time for a break. We might have to roll back the tape later. Oh, we oh, might. I'm, uh, got a couple if, sneeze votes there. Okay. Is, there. is it evening up a little bit? Yeah, a little bit. All right, Friday bit. tradition. Uh, one of the best football analysts around, Nate Burleson, joins us. We'll discuss 3-0 Panthers and look ahead to Sunday's action in week three of the NFL. Nate, Nate, we'll save you from the fart talk, okay? And then when we're done with Nate, 
we might need to give you video evidence. But don't, let's not pull Nate into this, okay? Let's leave him out. He's too good for that. One segment without knee. So, to, for, for all those reasons, it makes sense to me <laughs> to give him a little breather right now. Another Friday, another appearance for the man, the myth, and the legend that is Nate Burleson. CBS NFL, NFL Slime Time, CBS Mornings, and wide receivers coach, Don Bosco High School, North Jersey represent. I can see that you're rocking the jersey right now. That's right. That's right. I'm representing. <laughs> we have a game in about two hours. I'm right outside the field. Um, you know, we're playing against uh, Bergen Catholic. Oh, this They're is one of the best schools in the country. So it's going down. Big time win for Bosco tonight, baby. Is this not rival too? Like this is the big rival school for Don Bosco? Yeah, last year was my first year actually being full time on the varsity staff. We had the big time win on their field. And I looked around and it was grown man crying. And I, I'm an emotional guy. I started crying too. I was like, what's going on? And they were like, you don't understand the history, man. And I was like, all right, cool. So I get it now. I'm ready. I'm ready for the rival. I do like the impression of the other fathers. I hope that's what it was on the team. Uh, listen, we were talking earlier in the show about bad athlete commercials. And yeah. most of them are local. Like, you were never caught in a bad athlete commercial, were you? No, I, I didn't really do um, too many commercials, national that is. My local commercials were always solid, though, because <laughs> I knew they would speak to the city. It was like a, a, a restaurant that everybody loved or it was a place that everybody went to. But as far as like bad athlete commercials, I, I can't think of a specific commercial, but I'll just give you one word and I'll say it a few times and you tell me who it is. Terrible. Ter ter terrible. <laughs> terrible. Chuck. It's I, I feel like Charles Barkley back in the day, like his commercials were good, but his acting was bad, which right. almost made the commercials really good. good. Yeah. So I'm I'm a big watcher of terrible television for other people. Like my wife is like, why are you watching this? It's so bad. And I say, that's what makes it good, which might explain my show. So I'll just move on really quickly here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Start of the season. I didn't think the Panthers being 3-0 and could ever be the secondary story, but with Christian McCaffrey going down, is that more important than the 3-0? You know, it's funny because when you look at the box numbers, um, you look at Sam Darnold rushing for a couple of touchdowns. I know short distances, um, but you would think them playing a game like they played last night, how well they played, the numbers they put up, that you would have an explosion by one wide receiver or C-Mac, of course. And that's not necessarily the case, which speaks for Sam Darnold and maybe the poor position he was put in while he was playing here in New York. Mm -hmm. You know, being out here in New York, it's, it's a rough crowd. Come on, you know it, man. You, you do TV in a big city. It's the same thing out here. And whether it was, you know, the signing of Le'Veon Bell, him going out partying in the city and coming down with Mono, it just seemed like they kept tearing him down. This showed you when you surround a young guy with talent, how well he can play. And let's just call it what it is, man. Sam Darnold looks good. And, and until he proves otherwise, we have to give him credit for that. You know, it's funny. I'm huge on drafting and developing. And too much in the NFL, they just draft and hope. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we, talk, we talk about that a ton. And you mentioned it quite a bit. You know, just drafting and hoping that a guy turns out. You know, we kind of go back and forth. I'm, I'm on the stance of, you know, throw a guy out there. 
let's let's see how he deals with the fire and the flames of being a starting quarterback in the NFL. And when you start talking about giving these guys a chance to develop, I hear exactly where you're coming from. And, and majority of the time, that works. You know, one of the guys we praise the most in this league is Patrick Mahomes. He wasn't thrown out there right away. No. He was able to sit back from a distance, watch the game from the sideline, and learn from Alex Smith. And now he's one of the best quarterbacks to really play this game and might go down as one of the best ever. Yeah, I'm a fan of both. I just think that you need to give people help in order to succeed. There are very few generational talents that can just succeed. Uh, let's talk about Sherwood Park, Alberta's Chuba Hubbard. I mean, a couple hours north of where you were born in Calgary, uh, the Edmonton suburb. Do you think that he can just take the ball and run with it now that he's going to be given an opportunity in this backfield? I believe so, and this is his opportunity. But what we're seeing right here is the screen game. You know what makes this team good is the fact that they're not traditional in any sense. So if he's one of those guys you can put in that can run between the tackles, which we've seen if you're familiar with his career, um, but more importantly, when you just get the ball in his hands, he can create space. So in these two plays that we're showing you here, because Tim and Friends is a great show, and they know what they're doing with the supporting video. <laughs> He's catching out of the backfield and running in between the tackles. So you don't have to ask him to do more than what he's been doing already. And, and I love that because a lot of this offense sometimes can be based around Christian McCaffrey's skill set, and it can be exhausting. Even though it looks good and fantasy lovers, they, they're excited because they're like, man, Christian McCaffrey balled out. He helped me win this weekend. Sometimes you just want to see a balanced offense. Let's get DJ more involved. Robbie Anderson, and now Chuba Hubbard. I think this is the best thing for the team right now, given their circumstances, with them being undefeated and also having their superstar running back being out. Uh, the behind-the-scenes staff at Tim and Friends gets a shout-out from, from Nate Dogg. Um, so we're talking about Darnold. Uh, let's move on to a guy, Tom Brady, who has taken 196 spots after Darnold's third Not the same draft. But Darnold goes third overall. Tom Brady goes 199th overall. Bucks and Rams feels like the game of the week. What are you most looking forward to? I'm looking forward to Matt Stafford um, taking this, this leap in his career. At this point, there's only a few things that you can really stamp on his career that um, is that's different than the compliments we've been giving him before. In Detroit, it was talented guy. He can grip it and rip it. He can sling it with the best of them. He's going to put up numbers. He'll end up with big-time stats at the end of his career. Okay, fine. He's tired of hearing that. Now it's get to the playoffs, win a playoff game, possibly win a Super Bowl, and along the way, beat top-tier quarterbacks. So now you have an opportunity to beat Tom Brady and the Bucks. So this is a big opportunity for, for Matthew Stafford, but also for Sean McVay. And if people want to sit back and say, well, I automatically got the Bucks. Tom Brady is killing it. He's one of the best quarterbacks to ever play the game, if not the GOAT, as we all call him. But more importantly, in this season right now, 44 years old, he's leading the NFL with nine touchdowns, touchdown passes. Okay, you can compliment the Bucks, and you can pick the Bucks. But keep in mind, last year, without Matt Stafford, we're talking the Jared Goff-led uh, Rams, they beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and Tom Brady threw two interceptions. So, if you're the Rams, you're going into this game even more confident than before because you have what some people will say, an upgrade at the quarterback position, and you can try to put Tom Brady in a pickle, which he hasn't been in a lot this season. You see it right here. Nine touchdowns, just two interceptions. So, if you're the Rams, and that Rams defense, which you know has some dogs on it, anchored right. up front by Aaron Donald. You got Jalen Ramsey shutting down one side of the field. 
they know they can force Tom Brady to make a mistake. So this is a huge game, not just for Matt Stafford, but also Sean McVay. That's because of the pressure that they're able to get. One with front four and Aaron Donald, just kidding. But when they bring, like, that's the difference between great Brady and good Brady. Is that pressure, Nate? Yeah, no doubt about it. You know, it's funny because Brady has never been looked at as that quarterback that get rid, gets rid of the ball quickly. But I would put him up there with the best quarterbacks. With, I'm talking about speed of delivery, getting the ball out of their hands. People think of Peyton Manning. He's the first guy that comes to mind. But when Brady does see that pressure, he recognizes it. One, he steps up to the line of scrimmage. He knows exactly where the linebacker is. He's talking to his offensive line. He's talking to his running back. He knows where the pressure is coming from. And then he'll start adjusting plays. You know what's wild is I was listening to Gronk talk about uh, one of his touchdowns. And Gronk said, we got to the line of scrimmage, and Brady checked the play right at the line of scrimmage because he saw something in the coverage. And then the defense shifted. And at the line of scrimmage, he checked again. And then he looked around and gave Gronk one last check. He checked the play three times, <laughs> communicating with Gronk, who's been with him forever, and basically put him in a position to score a touchdown. So, so that's the element. It's not just, hey, let's, let's bring pressure, blitz Brady, and hope that we can collapse the pocket. No, you have to also confuse him, which is hard to do because he's one of the most intellectually sound quarterbacks this game has ever seen. Okay, at 44, which is four years older than you, and by the way, happy belated birthday. I do. Four years, what's most mystifying? about 44-year-old Tom Brady doing what he – is it just that he's still out there? It's, it's, it's deeper than that. You know, we're seeing that guys are playing at an older age, right? Look at the NBA, look at the NFL. Major League Baseball, they've been doing it for quite some time, even hockey. But basketball – I mean, f- football, it doesn't really happen as much no. as other sports. But the, the thing that makes it special is that Tom Brady has never been a threat to run. Let me repeat that for the people in the back. Tom Brady has never, ever <laughs> – been a threat to run so imagine him 20 years later you know how slow he is and this is no disrespect tom brady i love you and if you hear this you know i'm just keeping it all the way real tom brady is one of the slowest quarterbacks to ever start in the league so that means every single game starting at the beginning of his career especially now defenses are going in saying he's not going to run the ball which literally only gives you a couple of options he's either going to hand it off or throw the ball you know what I'm saying? Like, if you're facing Mahomes or, or Lamar Jackson or Kyler Murray, even Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Josh Allen, there's that threat of him being able to run, which means you have to defend. Oh, we got to defend an athletic quarterback. Oh, and he can also throw it a mile. Oh, man. And then he also has skill. Tom Brady is walking up to the line of scrimmage every single play, and the defense is like, well, we know he's not running, but we still have to stop him passing. And he's lighting defenses up. Yeah. That's why this is so impressive. All right, uh, Chiefs and Chargers, interesting to many. A lot of folks worried about KC, more specifically their defense early this season. Are you? I'm not, I'm not worried about their defense. I do like seeing Tyron Matthew back on the field. You see he made an immediate impact. Um, but it's more not being worried about the defense. Um, it's, it's, it's more complimenting what Justin, Herbert's brings to, Justin Herbert brings to the table. Okay. I mean, this dude is legit. And he, he, he sits and, and looks above that line of scrimmage. Um, and, and, you know, he's, he has some athleticism. I know we're watching Lamar highlights, but don't be fooled. Just, with Justin, just because Justin Herbert can sit as a statuesque quarterback and look over the line of scrimmage and deliver the ball to anywhere on the field, which is just incredible that he's doing that at this young age, he is athletic and will leave the pocket. So um, if Justin Herbert, if he goes out there and he embarrasses this Chiefs defense, I think this is more of a compliment to Herbert than it is an indictment on 
on this defense. All right, let's st- let's stick with the young quarterbacks. You wanted to see Justin Fields start in week no- week number one. He will get start number one in the National Football League here in week number three, and he's back in Ohio against the Browns. He looked okay in relief of Andy Dalton last week, but how much is a start with a full week of practice different than a holy bleep, he's hurt, get in there, kid, half? It, it's it's going to be a, a completely different quarterback. You know, I, I said a little bit earlier when I was on Good Morning Football uh, that he has the juice, but, you know, this is going to show that he has the juice and the squeeze. And we're seeing him running with the ball. This is big. And the reason this is big is because last week he scrambled for about 31 yards. That was a lot of movement in the pocket, him just getting his feet wet. Um, but now you'll see Nagy design runs for him because the game plan is built around Justin Fields. He is going to have some pressure. I mean, we know what that defensive line for the Cleveland Browns bring. Oh, and not to mention on the offensive side for Cleveland, Odell Beckham is back. And from what I'm hearing, he's ready to rock and roll. So um, the, the key is limit the turnovers, hopefully none. Be selective with where you're throwing the ball. Check it down. Always live to fight another down. You don't have to force the issue. But more importantly, watch how creative Nagy is getting Justin Fields out of the pocket and using his athleticism. Do you think Fields could be big time? No doubt about it. Yeah. No doubt about it. Hmm. Listen, I, I, rem- I remember talking with Fields, and uh, and there was, you know, everybody says, oh, he has the it factor. Um, you know, Justin Fields, he has everything that he needs. Um, now we just see, we need to see if Matt Nagy can surround him with the right type of offense. Not the right type of players he has. I'm talking about the right type of offense. Right. I understand the difference. All right, it is Friday Night Lights in North Jersey. Friday Night Lights in North Jersey. Bergen. Bosco, go get it, Burlesons. I appreciate it, baby. I'll keep you updated, and I'll see you next week. (laughs) (laughs) Nate Dog, thank you very much. Always appreciate you. All right, time now for Inside the Lines, brought to you by Sports Interaction, Canada's odds maker, 19+. plus. Please play responsibly. All right, here's how it works. Jesse and I agreed at the start of the year that we would make two picks against the spread and keep track all year. Unfortunately... Jesse, you weren't here for the first two weeks, obviously, at a family commitment on one of those days. And the other one was your bachelor party. That's That's right. right. Okay, so here's the deal. I can take you on on your own, Mm -hmm. or you can assume the picks that Kevin Mickey took on your behalf before you came to the equation, which is today. Are you asking me what I would prefer to do? Yeah, I'm going to give you... Do you know his record? I know his record. <laughs> okay, well, that, that kind of ruins the guessing game. I watched, yeah. <laughs> so you know? I have an idea of what happened. Right. Let, me, let me give, uh, he's one and three. <laughs> I'm three and one, but who's counting? Let me give you one piece of advice, however, while making these picks, okay? Here's the one piece of advice. Mm. Don't be cocky about your picks and guarantee them <laughs> before anything happens. Or you look like this. <laughs> Man of the hour, too sweet to be sour. One and one last week, but Timmy, you have hit your peak. In fact, I'm going to call it my shoe-in of the week. Two picks, in fact. There they are. It's my shoe-in of the week. Oh, it's a pretty big shoe. So I really like this Rams offense this year. I think that they're going to be really good. The Colts are missing a lot of key players on defense. The Chiefs minus four. That 
is guaranteed. Keeping himself untouched into the end zone. From what I'm seeing, I'm not scheduled to be in next week, so I'm <laughs> yeah. not going to have to face so any sort of consequences. Little did he know, eh? Little I, did he know. I knew immediately. When you guarantee, <laughs> like he comes in here talking junk about my 2-0 and week and then guarantees an 0-2 week. Yeah, not going to face any consequences. There was video evidence, oh. Kev, unfortunately. Immediately yeah. cold takes. Kev. All right, let's get you two picks for this week. You can start fresh. We'll leave Mickey on one oh, side of the board at one and three. Okay. Yeah, why okay. not? I'll, I'm, I'm not that dude. I appreciate that. All right. Even though I trust his research, he did it, you know, it just didn't work out for last week. I think maybe it was good. instant karma. All right, you want to go first or you want me to go first? Whatever you want, Okay. homeboy. I'll, okay, I'll take them. Okay, right. I, there's no, there's going to be no guarantees here. <laughs> no guaranteeing. Right. But I will take uh, a team that turned, turned it around a little bit last week. Okay. The Green Bay Packers, plus three against the 49ers. I think the 49ers secondary is very banged up. I don't even know who's supposed to be starting a running back for them. They have, I think it's Trey Sermon now is going to play in this game. He had one snap last week. And then the Ravens. I mean, Casey could not stop the running game. And you expect the Detroit Lions to be able to stop the running game. It's not going to happen. Ravens going on the road. And they're going to win by more than eight and a half. Those are my two picks. Uh, eight and a half week. a little scary for me. As is seven and a half for Arizona in Jacksonville. Mm. But I'm going to take the cards. I've been high on the cards I like it. since the start of the year. I think they'll blow out the Jaguars even though it's in Jacksonville. And give me the Raiders at home to... I'm guessing Jacoby Brissett and the Dolphins, but I'm going to take the uh, the uncertainty at quarterback for Miami and try and ride it into a Raiders little 3-0 start here. All right, time for one last break. We will get to the best of the week winner. Last call, wrap up a Friday, and maybe a few tweets on what has turned into Fartgate here in the Tim get and Friends studios. Get it trending. The best of the week has been absolutely hijacked by Fartgate here in the studio of Tim and Friends. Earlier, I was talking to Ben Nicholson-Smith. Uh, cameraman Sebastian tried to hold in his valiantly, tried to hold in his sneeze. And uh, this is being debated whether or not this was in fact a sneeze. But here's how it sounded during our interview with Ben Nicholson-Smith. Live for me. So to, for, for all those reasons, it makes sense to me to give him a little breather right now. Bless you, Sebastian, who tried to hold in his... Okay, so understandably, I was a little worried that the entire nation thought that I farted on air and immediately had to out the sneeze. And apparently, I outed too much because people now think that I'm going to far extents to hide the fact that I farted on national TV. Yes. That's why it's Fartgate. Right. Yeah. It is. Uh, it has become a conspiracy. Uh, there's a lot of tweets that we are receiving yeah. on the uh, on the topic here. Can you? Uh, I'll rifle through a couple. Right. Diana says, "I'm literally dying laughing right now. Maybe holding in the sneeze made him fart." <laughs> Either <laughs> that way, happens. Yeah. That Either happens. way, I needed this laugh. So thank you, Stacy says. Anytime. <laughs> the Delta Marion. <laughs> <laughs> Tim, the best host on the air today. Oh, I got it. I got Mitty, it. we need an unsolved mysteries-like segment on Fartgate, narrated by Stephen <laughs> Brunt. I don't think I don't think Brunt's going to stoop to that level, unfortunately. Donna says, "I think you guys need to grow up. You're supposed to be professionals." <laughs> Donna, it's a Friday. It's a Friday. Uh, it was boom bastard. <laughs> Call me fantastic. Touch me on the back and says, "Mr. Oh, and Tyler says." Monty. 
the new Tim and Friends slogan. We break sports news down and break wind. Uh, I want to get to one more tweet that came to my computer, and it was only my computer because it was addressed to me. Mm. And it looks like my dad. Carry on. <laughs> Enough. Thank you very much. <laughs> the guy that looks like he could be my dad. I apologize, and we will move on, but not before I present visual evidence that was it. It was in fact a sneeze and not a fart. Does that? I mean, there was no sound there. I actually don't but think that's for, for all those reasons. It makes sense oh. to me. Oh, there to, you go. For for all those reasons, it makes that, sense to me. To, you, I think that, I looked at you. <laughs> <laughs> you looked at. So here's the deal. This is Ben's talking, and I noticed Jesse like kind of chuckling off at the side, and that's what made me say I gotta pull the curtain. Much to my dad's dismay. <sighs> Uh, can we look at uh, the the uh, fine young man who once again? Enough, <laughs> enough, Tim. You're doing a sports show. Oh my goodness! All right, that's it. That's too to, good. Uh, for, for all those reasons, it makes sense to me. To, yeah. For for all oh, yeah. those reasons, it makes sense to and me. And thus oh, concludes. It caught, me. it caught me right away. And thus concludes. Yes. Fartgate. That's concludes. Here on Tim and Friends. Uh, for the record, um, Sorry, the poll. What do you think the noise was? Basically finished at 73.2% said fart. Yeah, you offer up fart to anyone. They're going to vote fart. I don't care what the poll is. It could be any poll. You offer up fart as one of the options, people will vote fart. Even if they didn't see what happened. Yeah. Let's just vote for fart. Okay. Except for my dad again. Uh, I remember how we started the show. Um, we weren't talking about farts. He looks cross, yeah. doesn't he? He looks very cross at me. Enough! We were talking about uh, commercials <laughs> with athletes in them earlier. Yes. And we asked people to send some in, and we got a couple. And one of the ideas was Scotty Pippen, who apparently is a, a bad actor. Uh, oh, yeah? Like the rest of the athletes that we've shown today on the show. Why don't we look at Scotty Pippen's commercial that made the waves on the social? What does Scotty Pippen do? Dick Cobb's original submarine, Mr. Submarine. This is one six foot, I can't handle one on one. Ladies, let's have a party. Choose from Mr. Submarine's great lineup of your favorite subs. Mr. Submarine's king size sub, a regular sub piled high with your favorite bits and cheeses. For the best tasting meal around, Mr. Submarine is the real With the RC Cola ad in the middle of it, too, sitting cross-legged. That's pretty damn good. A lot of laughs on a Friday. That was a good one. Yeah, listen, sometimes you need these shows. Um, Vistriant, I promise next show, uh, a.k.a. my my long-lost father, I promise next show we will be dead serious. All sports. For you. Yes. That does it for us (laughs) with Jay Central coming up. On Sportsnet at 7.30 Eastern ahead of the Jays and Twins. As we leave you, let's take one last look back on the week that was on Tim and Friends. And don't worry, we are going to leave out Fartgate, okay? Sorry. So I'm sorry!